Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hey, let me tell you what's going on here. Me and a buddy, we're on a Royal Caribbean cruise in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, and we have entered a rock wall climbing contest. Enjoy. Glad you're with us today. And so me and Caleb, boy, we're, we're, we're studying it now. We're down like this. Well, if I put my hand there, I put my hand there and I, well, I, I think, I, I think we can get it. Well, Caleb, you know, he was four years younger than me, so he went quite a ways before I did. And I tell you what, that sick kid, now you have to understand, Caleb, seriously, was a black belt in Taekwondo and he was also a, on the Midland Police Force and he was a SWAT member. I mean, this guy is, you know, looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme or whatever, you know, I mean, he works out all the time. Here I am dipping my stuff. Yeah, let's climb this wall. And so anyway, Caleb gets up there and he gets his funny little helmet on and he gets his funky little ninja shoes on and he puts one hand, you had to put one hand up there on the wall and one foot and then put a hand behind and they say go and you have to climb this thing real fast and ring this bell at the top and then you can just kind of dive off because you're in this little safety harness deal and so Caleb flies up that wall I mean he's like Spider-Man and I was like oh my gosh how did you do that he goes shut up dude he said that was slow I said no dude I've been watching everybody dude you smoked it he's like really I'm like yeah dude and so you know of course uh, Jackie Chan had gone before us and uh that dude was fast too. He did, he didn't, he just levitated. He threw a smoke bomb down and you heard the bell ring. That's all we saw. It was crazy. And so, uh, anyway, we, it's my turn finally. I'm the last to go. People are falling out from exhaustion from standing there for nine hours watching everybody climb the wall. So I get my funky little ninja shoes on and I get up there and I mean, I'm a prey and I'm like, God, whatever I do, don't pee, don't fall. And they're like, on your mark, get set. And I mean, I just went as fast as I could. And I mean, at the last of it, I jumped free-handed like, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible or something. I leapt up the wall and rang the bell. And then, of course, it caught me and they brought me down. And so anyway, you know, everybody does their little dutiful clapping and, oh, you know, you did a good job and everything like that. And I'm unhooking and I walk over there. And I'm all smiling right at Caleb because he's the only person I know on the whole boat besides Jackie. And um, so I walk up there and I'm like, how'd I do? He goes, dude, if you beat me, I'm going to be pissed. I said, what? He said, I am. I said, was it fast? He goes, dude, you were the fastest I've seen. You beat Jackie. I was like, no way. He's like, dude, you were fast. He said, but I won't speak to you if you beat me. I was like, why? He said, dude, I work out nine days a week and I sweat and you just dip snuff. He said, that's not fair. I was like, oh, come on, man. You know, you're Mr. Black Belt, you know, ninja taekwondo fella. I'm sure, I'm sure you got it. And so they, they started calling out <laughs> and I thought this was really kind of mean. They started with the older division. And they're like, in 400th place, we have Mrs. Nora Cox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they went in order. And we were like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever. So anyway, they got through the senior division, and they started on the junior division. And they're like, in 40th place is so-and-so. And they get down. And in 20th place is so-and-so. And our names haven't been called. I was like, yeah, cool. 
Get down to 15. Our names haven't been called. We're like, dude, top 15 right there. Yes. And in 10th place, not either one of us. Dude, we're top 10. We knew it. We knew it. And in 5th place, I'm starting to pee just a little now. Okay? In 5th place is so-and-so. Oh, dude, we're top 5. And in 4th place, somebody. All that's left is me and my Copenhagen, Caleb, and Jackie Chan. It was amazing. And I'll tell you the results in just a minute. <laughs> we had to cross land and sea to climb a rock wall. I mean, you, you would think that if I really wanted to climb a rock wall, that we could have done it somewhere in the United States before we got into inter international waters. But in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talks about somebody else that would go across land and sea to do something. And he starts in 23.15. Jesus is talking and he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now you have to understand, man, Jesus is giving it to them, man. I mean, he is, he's nailing them. You hypocrites. You cross land and sea to make one convert. Now listen to this. If you don't think Jesus is tough, the Pharisees, dude, they, they run everything. They, they were it. You didn't get higher than them, okay? I mean, unless you were like the, the chief priest or some, the high priest or something like that. I mean, these guys, they were, they were rock stars. They were celebrities. You know, they walked around in their flowing robes and everything like that. And Jesus just comes walking up to them and says, you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you are. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, th these are these are supposedly. I mean, that's like walking up to to Joel Osteen or something. You know, the the big name preachers that everybody just loves. Jesus walks up to him, just kind of gives it to him straight like a cowboy. He said, "Man, you'll go anywhere to make one convert, and then you turn him into twice the child of hell as you are." Whew. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think. Do I need to expound on what Jesus might have thought about hypocrites? I, I don't really think. If, if you need some further proof of that, you know, come talk to me afterwards, and I'll repeat what I just said. But, you know, think about that. Why, why did Jesus say that? He said, then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you are. How did they do that? What was, what was it that they were doing so wrong? Well, the first thing that they did is they attracted their converts. Their converts were attracted to religion not to God. It was a way to, to climb the social ladder so that they could be somebody, so that they could walk around. There was like these things that they carried on their hands and on their foreheads. Literally, there was like this box that according to uh, old Leviticus law and everything, that it says, keep this word right next to your forehead. So they would like duct tape this big box to their head. So that they could, and the bigger the box and the longer the tassels, the more holy they were. And boy, they liked to, you know, be called out, morning rabbi. I mean, they just loved it. Like I said, these were, these were, uh, vain rock stars of religion in Jesus' day. But their converts, whenever they went out and got somebody, they wasn't trying to introduce them to God. They were like, if you qualify, if you follow me and adore me and basically worship me, I can show you how to have what I have. The, the highest seats of honor at any, uh, golden corral and, uh, they had buffets and stuff back then. I don't know if they called them golden corrals back then, but 
Um, but they wanted to be able to say, look at me. Look at how big the box on my forehead is. Look at how long my tassels are. Look at how holy I am. Look at what I do. Look at me. The Pharisees weren't trying to introduce people to God. They were trying to look at how many people want to follow me because, see, you had to have a teacher, right? And so the best rabbis were the most sought after because they were the most holy. And it was just this big mess. It really was. And that's why Jesus was getting on to them so hard. He said, you know what? You're attracted to religion. You, what is this? Do you even know who God is? Sure, you walk around and you can say these fancy prayers. And you got the big boxes taped to your forehead on your wrist. Look like a big old Timex. You remember those calculator watches? They were bigger than those. And they just walk around there like, hey, man, you can come be somebody special. Follow us. You just have to follow five billion rules, most of them man-made. And then you can act all holier than everybody else. And so the person is learning is like, hey, great, let's do it. Did they know God? No. They were attracted to religion, not God. Religion was a game to them. It, it, was a, it was a social standard. It had nothing to do with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Hypocrites love to play the religion game. It's a game of one-upmanship. You know what I mean? Does everybody know? I think everybody has, has, has had one of these friends before. You know, you're standing around and you're telling cowboy stories and you're like, yeah, man, I got, I got bucked off and, you know, I landed in a, I landed in a landmine field and, uh, I was kind of hung up for a second, you know, and then I got, well, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. You know, oh yeah, I was, I was drugged to death. I actually died. I was drugged to death through a cactus patch while getting choked by a T-Rex Acondosaurus. Always one up. You know, it doesn't matter what your story is. They've always done it just a little bit better. Or the fall was a little bit harder. Or, you know, that long catch that you made at the roping, they made one that was just a little bit further while getting bucked off. You know, and that's, that's what Jesus meant when he said you make them a, a child of hell twice as bad as you are. They were training these people to be worse than they are because I guarantee you, you know, when you grow up like that, guess what you're going to do when you get older? You're going to teach people to do the same thing and that vicious cycle just goes on and on and on and on and on. Look at how holy I am. I mean, I, I think before too long, you know, if Jesus hadn't put a stop to it, you know, they'd have been walking around with like cedar chests on their head. Oh my gosh, look how holy I am. I can't even walk. And that's what Jesus was getting on to. He was like, do you even know who God is? Do you know why he said to keep that on your forehead? He said to keep it right there so that so that his word would always remain close to you. It had nothing to do with showing off how big your box is. They wanted notoriety, not a ride with God. The other thing that they did is they walked around, and I've already alluded to this. Let's see, how do I say this? Oh, well. Why, why stop now, right? Ever walked into a bathroom where somebody pooped a dozen roses? You come out of there and you spray that fancy stuff all over the place and you think nobody will ever know. And the next person walks in there like, whoo, somebody done pooped roses. Wait a minute, is that a flower scent that I smell mixed with poop? You know, I, these people walked around like they pooped potpourri. You know, here, let me give you some Febreze. Because I'm holy. Look at me. I'm up here, you're down here. But since you're down here, you can smell my potpourri. And you know what? We can laugh about that, but that's what these people did. 
That's the way they thought. They put themselves so above everybody else so they could just look down on everybody and just fill them up. Jesus is like, man, what are you doing? Man, you know, it's a wonder. I mean, of course it was God. But you wonder why, did he ever want to just like slap one of them just for their own good? I mean, and I know that that's, and I'm not telling somebody to do that, but I mean, that's how bad he felt about it. They cared about what was on the outside, not what was on the inside. I remember one time whenever you've heard me talk about the prison that I used to work at in Fort Stockton, we had this alfalfa field. And we had, we had uh, cut the alfalfa, and it was laying out kind of drying. You have to have the just right moisture content and everything. If it's too much, it's bad. If it's too little, it all dries up and breaks apart and everything like that. And um, that is the extent of my hay knowledge, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> and um, anyway, so the director was coming down to our prison, and I mean, this new alfalfa was just cut. and was still too wet. And the warden comes out there and he goes, I want all of this bailed today and stacked up right here so that whenever we tour tomorrow, we can, the director will see all of this hay that we've put down. And we were like, uh, it's too wet. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't care. I was like, it's probably going to catch on fire. He's like, yeah, it will not bail it. Fine. So the inmates bailed it. They stacked it up. It was the prettiest stack of hay you ever seen in your life. And the next morning when the director got there, there was smoke coming out of it. And before he left, that thing was all on fire. But you know what? That's what the Pharisees did. Well, on the outside, they had their boxes taped to their foreheads. And on their arms, they had the long tassels that showed how much scripture that they had memorized. They walked around for everybody to see. But inside, they was rotten and smoldering. Jesus doesn't care about how pretty you look on the outside. He cares about what's on the inside. How do we keep from being a child of hell like hypocrites. Because I've declared war on hypocrisy. But some people think that, that I am saying that we ought to go out and point our fingers at the hypocrites. What kind of hypocrite would go point his finger at a hypocrite, right? But the way we're going to change it is, the only way we can change it is if I don't be a hypocrite and you don't be a hypocrite. We're not going to go point out others. We're just going to make sure that we're not doing that stuff. So what do we not need to do? The first thing that we don't need to do is we don't need to get caught in the details because that's where the man-made religion starts. You know, they would take one little piece of a verse and start making up rules about it. Well, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. Don't worry about the details. You know, when the Pharisees tried to, when these hypocrites tried to trick Jesus, they said, well, what are the two most important commandments? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Everything hinges on that. That seems pretty easy. But the Pharisees, they didn't like it because they wanted to be able to nitpick you. You know what I mean? And I think we've all dealt with one of those religious hypocrites that, boy, it don't matter how much good you do, they're going to nitpick you to death and make you feel like crud. In 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul says this, Some people may contradict our teaching. And what is our teaching? Let me make it plain. There's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins because you can't be perfect, but He did. So He took your sin upon His body and suffered the wrath of God so that you can enter heaven. It ain't about what you do, it's about what you believe in the, and, and how that belief transforms your life. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel, the good news. These teachings promote a godly life. Got it? These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble. <laughs> Let me hold my finger out when I say that. Such a person, ha- doesn't it make you want to hold your pinky out when you say quibble? 
Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. <laughs> Paul, he, he pulling both triggers, baby. Boom! He says, such person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people are always cause trouble. That's what the hypocrites do. They want to argue with you about how bad you are and how good they are. Don't do that. You rely on the saving grace of Jesus Christ that manifests itself in a transformation of your life in ways you cannot be who God meant you to be while you're living for yourself. You start living for Him, and it's amazing what happens. God wants your dependence, not your feeble works. The first thing that we got to do, don't get caught up in the details. And I'm not saying that we don't need to know the details, but don't start arguing and bickering with each other over little minute details. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep it simple, stupid. God wants your dependence, not your feeble works. Only hypocrites take pride in the things they do. Those that ride for God take pride in their dependence upon God. And, I, and I'm dead serious. You show me somebody that has never served soup in a soup kitchen, that's never done any of these things that, that the hypocrites will, oh, look at me, I'm serving soup. And, and that's great. I mean, I'm not saying that serving soup is a bad thing. But they do it so that people will look at them. You know what? God would be more pleased if you just lived your life totally dependent upon him for every step and every breath that you take. Nobody will be able to see that. And that's why the hypocrites don't like that part of it. Well, how can they see that I'm dependent upon God? I want people to be able to see me and pat me on the back for how holy I am. Only hypocrites take pride in the things they do. Those that ride for God take pride in their dependence upon God. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says, I wait patiently for God to save me. And they say, Christianity, boy, that's tough. I wait patiently for God to save me. I depend on Him and Him alone. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. How about if you just adopt Psalm 62, 1 through 2 as your life verse? <laughs> You're a good Christian. You've got to have a life verse. I wait patiently for God to save me. I depend on Him and Him alone. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. Depend on God. That's what He wants. Don't get caught in the details. I stood there in my cowboy hat, looking at Jackie Chan like this. What's up? And it was silent just like this. And they said, And in third place with the bronze medal, and they had this little stand that you got to stand on. It was cool. In third place, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. This is killing me. In third place is Jackie Chan. And we went crazy. We started high-fiving and Caleb goes, I'm still not going to talk to you if you beat me. I was like, dude, we got first and second. He goes, we didn't get anything yet. I was like, Dad, gum, dude, you might be taking this to another level here. Because Jackie Chan's fixed to whip both of us. He's mad now. He got the bronze. And in second place, Kevin Weatherby. He beat me by two one-hundredths of a second. And he still tells me to this day that he beat me. And you know what? That's all right. We walked around that boat with a silver... I had my silver medal, and he had his gold medal. Yeah, look at it. Look at it. We was hypocrites bad that day. It was horrible. It was way bad. You're posing like the stupid Wendy's commercial. But the point to that is... The last thing that we have to do to avoid being children, twice the children of hell that hypocrites are, quit comparing yourself to others. God loves you and he died for you. You don't have to think, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, that guy sitting over there, man, he's got everything together. No, he doesn't. We're all messes. 
We're all floundering and, you know, stumbling and everything like that. But those of us that believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we may fall, but we get back up. We keep pressing on towards that goal. And the worst thing that you can do is start looking at other people. And either way is bad, because if you think that you're doing better than they are, no, you're not. That's hypocritical thinking. And even if you think that somebody else is doing better than you, that's hypocritical thinking too. Quit worrying about everybody else and you worry about your faith and your salvation and your ride with God and leave everybody else out of it. What would this world be like if we minded our own business? I think it'd be awesome. Can we do that? Can we mind our own business? This is not a contest against others. It is a battle between who you were meant to be and who the world expects you to be. We do not find our worth in comparing or competing with anyone except ourselves. We're supposed to keep our eyes on the Lord, not look around and see how everybody else is doing. Now, if we see somebody stumble, sure. Man, be a brother. Reach down there, grab him by the belt loop, pick him up. Let's go. Come on. But you don't have to. Yeah, you're dumb. Or condemn them. Pick them up. Let's go. Let's do that for all of us. I'll do that for you. Please do it for me. It's all mind our own business. Take care of each other. Pick each other up. And quit comparing yourself to others. And that's hard to do. I was a sub-junior trap shooter. And I qualified for state trap in Texas. The state meet was in Midland, Texas. And I showed up with my Remington 1100 that had the serial number ground off of it that we bought for $200 out of the back of a rancher's pickup. And people hated that. I had my shooting vest on that my grandmother made me, and people were pulling up in RVs, pulling horse trailers for their for their shotguns. I got out with my ground-off serial number. It jammed about every third shot, and I won it. And you talk about mad. Little skinny cowboy come out there and outshoot everybody. And I mean, one of the greatest moments of my entire life was looking at all those rich people. You know, they had the the Beretta over and, <clears throat> over and unders. They had Weatherby shotguns. I just had the last name Weatherby. And I got to stand up in front of all of them, and they walked up to me, or they called me up there, and the sub-junior state 4-H trap shooting champion is Kevin Awesome Weatherby. People wanted my autograph. I walked up there to receive my belt buckle. The newspaper was there. And as they were fixing to take it, this lady starts throwing a wall-eyed fit. I ain't joking. Just imagine if Sue stood up right now and started caterwauling. That's what happened. And I'm looking, and my dad's looking around, and I mean, these people go over there, and she's doing this, and they're like, shh. And she's like, and they pull out papers, and they're looking. And I'm standing there with my belt buckle and my, and my trophy, and they walk up to me, and they said, sorry, we made a mistake. And if you'll come back next week, I'll tell you why. Hey, listen up. I know God was really talking to you today. If you'd like to hear the whole story, get online and get it at www.savethecowboy.com. There you will find all you need to get where Jesus wants you to be, no matter how long or little you've been riding with him. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. Okay, (laughs) maybe just a little bit, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need you to saddle up with us and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. I'm asking you to go to SaveTheCowboy.com and make a donation to help us out. This program was brought to you in its entirety due to the generous donation of Western LLC. 
They are a turnkey development company for the oil and gas and aviation industries. If you need it built to put something in, there ain't a better Christian-valued company to call on than them. Visit them at westernllc.com.